Jesus. Come on, you can do better than that. Praise Him. Jesus, we praise you. Victorious. Yeah, yeah. Amen. Tell somebody next to you, God's got a miracle for you today. Hallelujah. Just receive it. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Last, uh, you know, I was just thinking about just the worship and, you know, just how, everybody okay back there? Um, how uh, every, every week, you know, just is different in the presence of the Lord as we get together, we worship together. I love worshiping with my church family and every, you know, every week is different. And uh, last Sunday, you know, there was something special that happened in the service. We've, hap- we've had this happen. This is twice now that this has happened. And it, and it always catches me off guard. Both times it's caught me off guard. But last Sunday we had, of course, we, had the, uh, we were worshiping together. And as, as we worshiped, there was just a, a hush that came in the room. And just a holy hush and just in his presence. And I don't know, I'm, we've mentioned it this week in a couple of different meetings. And there's about at least 20 or so people that I know of that heard the same thing that I did. And, um, cause, and I put it out there like, you know, very open-ended. I didn't want to just suggest things. Um, so I, I put it out there open-ended with some of the meeting, leadership meetings I was in this week. And uh, everybody told me exactly what I heard. So I knew I wasn't making this up. But um, when the hush came last week, there was a just right back here, you could hear, uh, it was like an angelic choir singing, and uh, it, was, it was just a very distinct, uh, and that's, every time, and this, the other time that we've heard angels sing, the, it was different this time we heard angels singing, it was a choir sound, and it was intelligible, like you could hear it, it was very distinct, and it was, it was happening right here, and then um, the first time that we had that happen was on a, it was on a Wednesday night, in a Wednesday night service, and um, it was just, again, just a hush came on the crowd. And um, I remember very distinctly, I was just standing here. I mean, the presence of the Lord was just so tangible, so heavy. And hearing, it was like someone, like a song. It was right above us back here singing. Um, and I, I thought, well, who's singing in their microphone? I just thought it was one of our worship team singing in there. And I look, and they're all on their faces. There wasn't no singing happening on the platform. And I thought, okay, well, what's going on? And I, I looked to Joe at that point, and Joe ran downstairs to make sure nothing was happening. And uh, Mike was in the soundboard that night, and he's, he later said that he had turned the sound off, thinking it was something going through the sound system. He turned the sound system off to make sure it wasn't the sound system. So everything was off, nobody, and you could still hear the sound, uh, the angels singing through it. So anyway, I just, I love the presence of the Lord. I love when Jesus shows up, and the Bible says that he rides on the wings of angels. He comes in, you know, so we shouldn't be surprised by that. You know, we have, we don't, we don't worship those things. We worship him, but they happen. And uh, when he's here, things happen, you know, so we just, we want him. And uh, it's exciting, though, to hear, you know, that I'm not crazy. So anyway, (laughs) at least not because I heard angels singing. (laughs) If you have your Bibles, you can go to Hebrews chapter 11. The just shall live by, and we're going to continue on in our series, Fullness of Faith. The just shall live by. 
Faith, the faith, faith in God, faith in Him, in His Word is the is the power to salvation. Romans 1 tells us in His Word, in the Word of God, it's the power of God to salvation. It is in it, faith is revealed and the just shall live by faith. I love that. That our life, we in Him we live and move and have our being. This faith, the, the faith of God imparted into our hearts is what enables us. It's the lifeblood. It enables us to be fruitful and vigorous and revived and full of life. You don't have to go through life. Tell somebody next to you, you don't have to go through life depressed. You don't have to be discouraged. You don't have to be fearful. Jesus wants faith imparted into your heart. Faith that sees the impossible. All things, Jesus said, are possible to him that has faith. All things are possible. All things are possible. The Lord spoke to me this past week. I just want to share this with you. We're, I don't know all the details yet, but I'm going to share it anyway. Um, I was driving into the office, and, you know, driving, driving to church is really dangerous. <laughs> every, every time I drive, it's like every time I say the Lord spoke to me, it's when I'm driving to the office, I feel like. Um, but I was driving into the office, and... Um, I was thinking about this $42,000 number. I can't help but think about it, right? So I can't help but think about the 42000 and all that's happening right now and uh, dealing with that and knowing that we have a missions trip to Africa. We have a missions trip to New Orleans. We have all the things that are spinning, right? So I'm very aware of all the dollar signs right now. And I was, as I was driving in, the Lord said, so what are you going to sow? <laughs> and I thought, I laughed. I ha ha, Jesus, you're funny. <laughs> you're funny. He said, so no, what are you going to sow? So he took me back to Genesis that, that Isaac sowed in the time of famine and he reaped. And even to the degree that the, the Philistines got mad at Isaac, that he was so blessed and so plentiful in the, in the land that was uh, in enveloped in famine and lack, and he's sowing his seed, and the Lord's blessing his seed to the degree that he was increasing, and he all the more increased, and he all the more, like it's emphasized, if you go and just, it's emphasized that he was increasing when everyone else was floundering, and they, they got so mad, that's one of my favorite scriptures, actually, is that they got so mad that they started throwing rocks in his wells, they were trying to block his wells to stop the flow of blessing. <laughs> and so the, the Bible says that Isaac went and he redug the wells of his father. So that's where we, we talk about redigging the ancient wells, redigging the wells of the generations, of learning from past generations and redigging those wells. But that's he went and redug the wells and the Lord blessed him. So anyway, the Lord remind of course it's one of my favorite scriptures and the Lord used it against me. No, I'm joking. He he started, he brought it out for me and, and reminded me of this. So I, I went to our staff, and actually it was the same day, it may have been the same day, I went to our staff in our staff meeting, and I said, here's what I feel like the Lord is saying. And uh, just, you know, put it out there. And I, he took me back to Genesis, I gave him the whole story, and I said, I feel like the Lord is saying to us again, he, he took me back when we started, if you'll go back with me, those of you that have been around a while, when we started Night of Hope, and we were in a season where we needed some significant change 
And the Lord asked us the same question, what are you going to sow? And so he took me back to that, that moment with Night of Hope when we said, Lord, what is it? And, and the Lord said, start a food pantry. Start with this. He gave me the seed of the food pantry idea. And I thought, Lord, all the churches in the area have a food pantry. Why do we need to do a food pantry? People go to another food pantry. And that was just the seed. And so at that point, we, we began to pray about it. And the Lord gave us Night of Hope, the vision and the direction of Night of Hope. And it just blossomed. How many of you were a part of Night of Hope? Let me see your hands. If you were a part of Night of Hope. Yeah, some of you. That's awesome. And, and the Lord, how many of you know, the Lord just blessed that time and time and time again. I mean, it was just phenomenal. And we sowed, and we sowed, we sowed where we didn't have things to sow. <laughs> Literally, I watched, I watched hot meals multiply. I, there were months I thought, we don't have, like, we didn't know we were going to have food to serve our community. Our community folks have no idea this happened, but we did. We, we, were, we weren't sure we were going to have food to give them, but we were advertising. We were going to have food. And I would watch as our food literally would multiply. Watch as our groceries would multiply. Watch as people would get born again and minister to time and time. Hard, hard things get ministered to and dealt with in the house of the Lord through that. And we, I, don't, I can't tell you how many drug addicts we buried that came through, and, and this, this church was their church. And so we'd get a phone call from the funeral home saying, hey, you know, they said that this, the family said this is their only church. Can you do their funeral? Time and time and time again. So, so the Lord just brought me back, and he said, so what are you going to sow? I brought it to our staff, and we all of them. This, what's interesting, the week we were out, I'm just sharing this with you, just throwing this out there. Um, the week we were out of town, they, our staff still met, and the week that we were out, they all said while we were gone, hey, I think the Lord's stirring in the church that we need to do something like Night of Hope again. What would that look like? So when we got back, and then, of course, now the Lord's stirring in our hearts and speaking to us about this, and there's a need, they're, everybody's sharing. And everyone on the team said, yes, it's the season. So uh, that was not what I was expecting, by the way. <laughs> so when, when, our, when our staff says, night of hope, yes, this is the season, uh, that, that was a confirmation for me. I'm hearing from the Lord we're all in direction. So I'm putting this out there to our church. We're, we're looking at November. We don't have the specifics. We don't have all of the details worked out. Uh, but we're going to do Night of Hope in November. We're going to give away a Thanksgiving meal. Um, I, again, I don't know how it's going to happen. I'm just going to tell you, we're going to be giving away a Thanksgiving meal to everyone who comes, or at least however many we can get. <laughs> we're going to give them away. Thanksgiving baskets, we'll have the haircuts, the groceries, the clothing, whatever we have, whatever the Lord supplies, we'll give it away. We're going to sew. So um, we are not going to become a storehouse for clothing, <laughs> for those that were part of that. Whew, thank you, Lord. We had, a, we had a lot of clothes. We had two rooms full of clothes, full of clothes. So we're not going to do that again, but we're going to give away everything that we have. So um, anyway, we're going to sew. And that's, I say that at the start of my message, because that is eyes of faith. The just shall live by faith. I don't know how we're going to do it. I don't know all the details. I, I can sit down and map it out and engineer it out and, and all those things. We've done it before. But what I know is, is the Lord is going to supply. The Lord is going to make it. If he, he, there's nothing that he asks us to give that he doesn't supply. 
There's nothing that he asks us to give that he doesn't already have the intention and the ability and the willingness to supply. So if he's asking you to step out and do something in ministry, guess what? He's going to give you the ability, the strength, the wisdom, the resources to do exactly what he's called you to do. He's not going to leave you empty-handed. Amen, that's good news. He's not going to leave you empty-handed. He's going to come through and provide every time. It doesn't mean that it's not going to cost you something. You know, our, our tendency is that when we receive from the Lord, we like, to, we like to take it, thank you, Jesus, and just stick it in our pocket. <laughs> thank you, I'll take that. And we have to understand the difference between seed for sowing and bread for eating. He's the supplier of both. He gives both seed and he gives both bread. He gives us what we want, what we need. He takes care of all of those things. But he also gives us seed for sowing. Sometimes those seeds are resources. There are talents. It's money. It's time. Whatever it is. But if you will have faith to see what God has already given you. What he's already stirred within your heart. And if you're willing, if you'll be willing to release what God's already given to you, it might be a sacrifice. It might, it might feel like a sacrifice. But if you'll be willing to release it, God will meet you in an unprecedented way. In Hebrews chapter 11, we find one of those stories. It says, and I, I've read this, we've taught on this. I've spent about six weeks on this already, and we're only to verse 4. So I'm going to go ahead and read all of 1, 2, 3, and then 4. But Hebrews 11 says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So if you remember, we've talked about faith. It's our spiritual senses. It's like our ability to perceive the unseen world. It's the tangible reality. This is not abstract. Faith is not an abstract thing. It's not just an idea or dogma. Faith is a reality. It's imparted by God into our heart, the reality of what he's saying and doing and what's happening in, in his world, in the unseen world around us. Verse 2, for by it the elders obtained a good testimony. By faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. So again, the nothing, the invisible, the invisible, intangible thing, the thing that you cannot see, the worlds were not formed, were framed, came into existence by the word of God. So that the things that are seen were not made of things which are visible. So we couldn't see it. They were invisible. But they came into existence because of the invisible word of God. By faith, we understand that the world around us is not just a big bang idea. It's not just some uh, abstract idea of creation. This God created the worlds. Amen. Do you believe that? Do you have faith for that? You know that. I, I don't have to convince you of that reality. I don't have to convince you of the reality of your salvation. It is tangible. It is, it is, uh, it is not abstract. It's tangible and a reality for you, right? That's faith. So let's continue on. Verse 4 it says, By faith, Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain through which he obtained witness that he was righteous, 
God testifying of his gifts, and through it, he being dead, still speaks. Now, I want you to put your finger in in Hebrews 11, and then just flip over to Genesis chapter 4, and we're going to pick up the story of of Abel and his sacrifice in Genesis chapter 4. It says, Now Adam knew Eve his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain, and said, I have acquired a man from the Lord. And then she bore again, and this time his brother Abel. And Abel was a keeper of sheep. But Cain was a tiller of the ground. And in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of fruit of the ground to the Lord. And Abel also brought the firstborn of his flock and of their fat. And the Lord respected Abel and his offering, but he did not respect Cain and his offering. And Cain was very angry, and, he, and his countenance fell. So the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry? And why has your countenance fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin lies at the door. And its desire is for you, but you should rule over it. And Cain talked with Abel, his brother, and it came to pass when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel, his brother, and killed him. Then the Lord said to Cain, Where is Abel, your brother? And Cain said, Am I my brother's keeper? And he said, What have you done? The voice of your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. Abel had brought a sacrifice. He was a, he was a shepherd. He was keeping watch over the sheep. And he was bringing his sacrifice, a lamb, the firstborn lamb, as a sacrifice. It's a picture of Jesus all the way back in Genesis chapter 4. A, this is a, a picture of Jesus, our perfect lamb, our sacrificial lamb. And Abel brings his sacrifice, the lamb, to the Lord. He understands that the sacrifice, unless there's shedding of blood, there's no remission for sins, the Bible tells us. He's bringing his sacrifice to God by faith. He saw through the eyes of faith what Cain couldn't see. Cain brought his offering of fruit, but Abel saw something different. He offered his sacrifice to the Lord. And Hebrew says that it was a more perfect sacrifice. He brought the lamb. He brought his sacrifice. Hebrews 10.14 tells us, By one offering... He has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. We know that Jesus was the perfect offering, the spotless lamb that was offered for our redemption. Without his sacrifice, without his bloodshed, there was no remission. There is no forgiveness of sin. But Jesus came, the perfect lamb of God came, stepped into creation for you and I, gave up his life for you and I so that we can be forgiven, so that we can be restored. Amen. Are you all out there this morning? Cain got mad at his brother. I don't know if you've ever had uh, a sibling rivalry before. Our, our kids, I'm an only child, so I don't know what that thing is. I, I would, I'd fight with the dog. I'd get blamed for the things the dog did, so I don't know what that's all about. But, but I, I watch our kids and, you know, the little sibling tiffs that come up every once in a while. They're good kids, but every once in a while they get into it. Never to the degree that they want to kill each other. They're, you know, we would have issues, right? We might need to do counseling. Veronica, can, you know, we need to come in and meet with you, something. Never to that degree, but 
there's such a such an animosity that rises up in Cain's heart towards his brother because God accepted Abel's sacrifice. Have you ever looked at someone else and thought, Lord, why are they getting blessed? Why are they getting the blessing? Why are they having the breakthrough? I mean, I'm in church. I'm doing all the right things. Come on now. Don't shout me down while I'm telling you the truth. Lord, why are they getting the breakthrough? Why are they, why are they getting all the blessing? I seem to keep hitting a wall. And that was Cain was sitting in judgment of his brother. And, and what he clearly knew was to be the right way to sacrifice. And yet he brought less than when God demanded greater. And judgment rose up in his heart. Sometimes we look around us and we're judging others and God says, are you willing to walk at the level of faith that they're walking in? Are you willing to sacrifice? Are you willing to offer, in this case, it was Abel's firstborn lamb. Are you willing to give it all? Are you willing to make the sacrifice? Or do you want to hold back part of, of maybe your, your resources? Do you want to hold back part? Because you, maybe there's doubt in your heart. Maybe you're uncertain about the thing that God spoke to you about. And you're just shivering. You know, you're just, yeah, I don't know, Lord. Do you really want me to do this? If you want the blessing that Abel had, you've got to be willing to sacrifice as Abel sacrificed. There was a more perfect sacrifice that Abel was willing to give to go above, beyond. He saw through the eyes of faith. And I love what the Bible says. God says to Cain that your, blood, your brother's blood is crying out to me from the ground. Cain, Abel's blood was crying out for vengeance. Abel's blood was crying out for retribution. Abel's blood was crying out for justice. In Hebrews chapter 12, if you flip over to Hebrews chapter 12, there was another blood that was poured out on the ground for you and I. There's another blood in Hebrews 12 and verse 22. It says, you've come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, to an innumerable company of angels to the general assembly and church of the firstborn who are registered in heaven, to God the judge of all, to the spirits of just men made perfect, to Jesus the mediator of the new covenant, and to the blood of sprinkling that speaks better things than that of Abel. Abel's blood was crying out for justice, but Jesus' blood is crying out redemption. Do you, Abel's blood was crying out for, for justice, but Jesus' blood is crying out of your salvation. Jesus' blood is crying out about your grace, that grace has been poured out on your life. Redemption has been poured out on your life. Forgiveness has been poured out on your life. Mercy has been poured out on your life. Justification has been poured out on your life. Does anybody hear me this morning? His blood is crying out better things over you today. The blood of Jesus is crying out. We can look at Cain and Abel. We can look at Abel's sacrifice of his firstborn lamb as a type and shadow of what was to come in, in Christ Jesus. But Jesus has come. The perfect lamb has come. And he's been sacrificed for you and I. His blood has been poured out for you and I. And it's crying out better things over our lives. 
If the blood of Jesus is crying out over your life, if the blood of Jesus has been applied not to the doorpost like it was in Egypt, but if the blood of Christ has been applied to your life, it's crying out about the mercies of God and the, and the, the love of God. If that blood has been applied, then what's possible? What's possible? If you've been covered with the redeeming blood of Jesus, how with His Son, He's freely, freely given us His Son, how will He not also freely give us all things in Christ? Every blessing, every breakthrough, every miracle. If He's called you, I don't know, I keep going back to this this morning, and I don't know who this is for, but if He's called you, I'm going to stand right here so nobody thinks I'm talking to them. <laughs> talking to all of y'all, but there's some, maybe someone specific. If he's called you, he's, he's placed his anointing on your life. He's put his fire. The Bible says that he's made his ministers flames of fire. You ought to be a flame of fire, fully engulfed, not flickering and dying out. He's called you, He's placed His hand on your life to be a fully engulfed. Our Bible says that he, our God is an all-consuming fire. How much more as a minister of His Word, and all y'all are called to be ministers, but maybe there's some, someone here that this is specifically for you, but... You, you, you ought to be burning, shining light in this world. The eyes of faith. I, let me just broaden and go back. All of you ought to be burning, shining lights in this world. If Eyes of faith, living a life of faith. You see the possibilities. You see what he's called you to do. You have eyes of vision to look through what's happening in this world around you. You know, was, Heather was talking earlier about how on, you know, we have last Sunday harp and bowl, and you can come and get saturated in, in the healing room. You can worship in the harp and bowl and all the things. During the, during, that's our summer schedule. During the fall and spring and all that, the schedule's different. Uh, healing rooms happens every week and all the things. But, but regardless, it's like, it's like we've designed this. I, I, I'm just speculating. But it's kind of like we've designed this to be a spiritual restoration center I don't know Do you, did you catch that? that that you live you and I live in a fallen world you and I live in, in a world that will distract us and get our eyes off of, off of the prize, off of the joy that's been set before us. If we're not careful, we can get easily distracted, easily discouraged. But we've, we've kind of set this up that you can come in from the heat once in a while and just get, get into the spiritual spa and be saturated and get ministered to and, and be refreshed and have an environment where you can hear from the Lord and not have all those distractions so that you can be a fully engulfed flame for the Lord. That's good news. If you haven't, if you haven't taken advantage of those things, I want to encourage you, take advantage. Just a Sunday morning once a week isn't enough. 
just a Sunday morning. I thank God for small groups. I thank God for the, you know, all the various things. Get in, press into God. Let him saturate. Let him saturate you with his word. Let him saturate you with his presence. Saturate you. And as you do that, faith is imparted. You say, well, I tried that a couple weeks. This saturation is not a couple weeks thing. If you, you know, I've, I've been working on our yard and we've got areas where there's no grass growing. And uh, it's hard clay, and you know, you know, you all know what I'm talking about. You got to break up the ground, and it's all cracked. You got to. So I've got the tiller out, trying to break up the ground. I got what, you know, I tried for a long time to just throw grass seed on that, without breaking up the ground, or or you know, doing anything to it. I just threw grass seed on. How many of you know how much grass grew? None. Shocking. I don't know why I spent all that money on the grass seed. You'd think that the grass seed would grow. It doesn't work like that. I had to get out the tiller, break up the ground, get some water on it. And then, guess what? Hey, grass is finally growing in some of those areas where grass hasn't been growing. It's a wonderful idea. Saturation. If you've been been spending your life and you're dried up and crusty and have... Faith is diminished in your heart and you're that hard ground. Just spending a couple weeks and coming into service or coming into the healing room, it's like the fire hose on the dried, cracked ground. Not much is going to happen. You're going to get wet and you're going to dry out real quick. Are you, are you following me? But if you come in on a continual basis and you're breaking up the fallow ground in your heart... And you're allowing, this is a process, this is a journey. And so if, if you're in a place in your life where you're like, man, I am figuring out this walk of faith. I'm figuring out what it looks like to have in faith imparted. I'm not, I'm not where I should. Hey, that's okay. Keep on the journey. Don't stop. Fullness of faith. I said it a few weeks ago. Fullness of faith is not about a measure of faith. It's about living in every area of your life with faith. We're not taking the measuring cup today and and checking your faith levels in in your spirituality. Checking how Jesus said, just the faith the size of a mustard seed. It's not about the the quantity. It's about is it in every area? Are you walking in faith in every area of your life? Cain and Abel are a great example of the sacrifice that comes with walking in faith. Walking a life of faith requires sacrifice. It requires taking what the Lord has given to you and being willing to lay it on the altar. It's, you know, it's being uncomfortable when the Lord says, I've, I want you to step out and talk to that person in the grocery store line, or I want you to minister to that person, or start a small group, whatever the thing is, it's, it's having the willingness to be obedient to the Lord and offer it as a sacrifice. You know, you don't have to overcomplicate this. Take a small step of faith. Just get the lamb out of the, out of the, uh, the sheep, wherever you put the sheep, and the sheep, the shep, you know, the pen. The thing that you put the sheep in. Go get the sheep out of the thing you put the sheep in and put the sheep on the altar. This isn't complicated. Kill the sheep. <laughs> Did you hear what I said? Just kill it. Just sacrifice it, whatever it is. 
Sometimes it's a relationship or someone that you think you've, you've put your trust in, this particular person, that they're going to they're gonna lead you into the promised land. They're going to help you get to the vision that God's called you to. Maybe you're looking at Pastor Zach. Pastor Zach is going to lead me into the promised land. I am not Moses. Get your sheep out and kill it. Get the lamb out. Just do whatever the Lord has called you to do. Sacrifice it. Put it on the altar of sacrifice. If that means that that person you've been putting your trust in has got to disappear, sometimes relationships have to change. Sometimes relationships change in order that you can get your eyes off of... Come on now. Well, they're going to fix it for me. When God says... I just need you to do what I've already called you to do. I just need you to step out in obedience and sacrifice that thing. I've already told you what you needed to do. And then it's a sacrifice not only of what God's given to you, what he's released in your hands. What has he already given to you? He's not asking for something greater. He's already given it to you. Abel already had the sheep to sacrifice. The lamb was already there. Time and time again, the Lord provides over and over. And we think that it requires something greater than what we already have. But I want to remind you, it could be just the, the little jar of oil. It could be, it could be the, uh, the five loaves and the two fish. It could just be a little bit. It could just be a little bit. It, it's not something massive. You know, you, when we receive offerings and you hear the number 42,000, you're like, oh, I, can't, I can only give you know, maybe $50. I, I can't even give a thousand. And that's a 42,000 is a really big number. Start with what God's given to you to release. Start with what God's given to you. He's not asking for you to give the thousand. There might be somebody in the room that he's asked to give the thousand, but it may not be you. Release what God's given to you to give. Time and time again, he gives the blessing that we need to sow. I would venture to say there are those here, the Lord, you know, maybe he's called you and to start a new business. And, and the Lord is, is stirring in your heart to launch out and, and to diversify or to, to start a new business, to have other revenue streams. And the thing that you're the first thing is, where do I begin? Where do I start? And the Lord's stirring in your heart something that you're supposed to do. It's been and you're like, well, how do I know it's the Lord? Well, the devil isn't telling you to do God things. The devil's not telling you to glorify God with your time and your talent and your resources. So that's a good way to know where to start. And then the second way to know where to start is to ask God to give you a word, give, a, give you a scripture, give you something from his word, give you a scripture that ties into what he's saying. Because you're going to hold on to that scripture a lot. You're going to hold on to that scripture. So giving, God, give me a scripture, give me your word. And no, God's stirring something there's something stirring in your heart. Can I just be real practical? If there's something stirring in your heart and it's to glorify the Lord, it is not the devil. You just step out. Start with what he's given you. And what you need to get started is already in your house. The lamb was already there. Cain just had to sacrifice it. He just had to engage with what God had given him. If he's called you to write music... Then write. 
It doesn't mean that he's not going to perfect the gift. It doesn't mean that he's not going to perfect what he's doing concerning you. He absolutely is. That's his promise, that he will perfect all things concerning you. And so through the journey, he's going he's gonna to require, maybe you need more education. Maybe you need to surround yourself with people who are going to give you wise counsel and direction in the process and the journey. Whatever it is, he's going to perfect the process, but you've got to start. There are people in this room this morning, you've been sitting on dreams and visions and direction from the Lord for years. Years. And everything that you have need of is sitting in your house. Don't get mad at me. I'm just trying to help you. Now, here's the thing. You can, you can engage with what God's wanting to do in your life, or you can allow that thing to rot and grow moldy in your home. That's what happens. He's going to release the blessing but there's a, there's a time frame on that. You need to sow it or it's going to start stagnating. You're going to find yourself. Here, here's how to know that you might be in disobedience. Here's, hello. Here's how you might know that you're in disobedience. You ready? Don't get mad. If you feel discontent and agitated, when someone starts telling you, like I'm telling you this morning, that you need to step out in the things that God's promised. Or maybe in your personal private time, the Lord starts speaking to you and touching that area of your life, and you get defensive and agitated and start having excuses. That might be an indicator that you're in disobedience. It got quiet in here. I should just... Keep on moving. All right. So there's personal sacrifice. Whatever it is that the Lord's given to you, you're going to lay it on the altar. You're going to sacrifice it. And watch how the Lord provides. And then number two, not only did Abel have to sacrifice of his own resources, it was a self-sacrifice. He gave his life for what he had faith for. He laid down his life for what he had faith for. All the way back in Genesis 4, we see an example of a life of faith, the sacrifice of faith. Are you willing to lay down not just the, the resource, the time, the talent, but lay down your life? His brother murdered him for what he saw through the eyes of faith. Not everyone's going to like when you start fulfilling what God's called you to. Not everyone's going to enjoy uh, all the blessing of the Lord on your life when you start engaging with that. Matter of fact, as we already talked, the Philistines and Isaac, you know, that wasn't a good situation. We can see examples all throughout Scripture of how people are not going to enjoy when you start walking in your blessing. Walking in what God's called you to. But it is the place of the greatest joy and greatest fulfillment of your life. Abel was willing and happily laid down his life For the sacrifice of faith. So if you want to live a life of faith, you got to be willing to sacrifice. you got to be willing to sacrifice what God's given to you. And you have to be willing to lay down your life. In Romans, if you have your Bibles, just flip over to Romans chapter 6. 
And starting in verse 5, it says, For if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin, for he who has died has been freed from sin. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. Everybody say that, live with him. Knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more, death no longer has dominion over him. For the death that he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life that he lives, he lives to God. Likewise, everybody say likewise. That's, that means you and me, that we're going to do likewise. You also reckon yourselves to be dead. Consider yourselves to be dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body, that you should obey its lust. So I love, you know, obviously we're dead to sin, we're dead. But I want to zero in just quickly that if we are willing to, to die the death, if we're willing to sacrifice our life, we're willing, this is speaking of redemption, but there's also a promise of resurrection life. That there's absolutely nothing that you sacrifice for the kingdom that goes unnoticed. That when you lay down your life, when you sacrifice the, your life for the sake of the kingdom and, and fulfilling what God's called you to do, living this life of faith, resurrection life is flowing through whatever it is that God's called you to. I promise that. We have resurrection life, spiritual resurrection life. We have, re- we have a, our eyes set on a day. There's a day coming, whether, whether by way of the grave or the, the blessed hope, there's a day coming where resurrection life finally, forever, is going to flow through your body, going to flow through my body, and we will always be with the Lord. It, we're, I'm... Is anybody out there? If that doesn't make you happy, you're just you're hot, you're hot in the sanctuary, and you're thinking, would he finish so I can get out of this hot sanctuary? Hell's gonna be a whole lot hotter. So it'd be so it's good. This is this is good just to make sure that you're not going there. Just to test. Resurrection life is flowing. I have a promise of resurrection life that there's going to be a day where the trumpet of God's going to sound and gravity's going to let loose on this tangible body. I'm going to be putting on immortality. I'm excited for that. That day's coming. Sacrifice. The sacrifice of Christ paid for that. But that same sacrifice that paid for my resurrection life in the blessed hope is the same resurrection life that's flowing on the inside of you right now. Now, the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead is living on the inside of you. If the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead is living on the inside of you, what's possible if you set your hands to the work of the Lord? If I have resurrection... You know, when, when we moved here, and, and you know... Heather was talking about this last week. This is our anniversary month, and she was talking about the interview process and the whole drama of it all. And uh, and I use that word intentionally, because uh, when you're on this side of it, I understand the church's side of it. But when you're on this side of it, a month or a month, a year long process and all the things, there's a lot. Anyway, 
But we knew that we knew that we knew we had heard from the Lord. And when we were sitting in that interview, she was talking about it last week, and we were sitting in that four-hour interview after monthly or weekly, whatever it was, hour, two-hour long phone calls or whatever. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Woo! The only reason we survived that is we had heard from the Lord, and the joy of the Lord is my strength. Anyway, so we got, we got through that, and, and we're sitting in the four-hour interview, and they're asking us questions and, and all the things, and we realized that the, the church had not experienced when, when, you know, when we talk about New Testament church and revival and, uh, and the, what it looked like, we understood that. That's what we had lived. That's, that I, that's all I've known in ministry. That's, I didn't choose that. God chose me. I, that's, you know, we were talking about this recently. I, I remember when I first started praying for people and they were falling under the power. And I, I'd, I hadn't seen that. I didn't know what that was. And, but I, didn't, I knew I wasn't pushing people, and I certainly wasn't tripping them. And it just started happening. And I was like, oh, what's happening? And that's, it's continued to happen to this. I, don't, I can't make it happen. People say, well, how do you stop? I don't make it happen. I don't know how to turn it on and turn off. It's nothing I turn on and turn off. It just happens. <laughs> that's all I know. I'm sorry. If you don't like falling, don't fall. <laughs> Sit. <laughs> I don't know. People come down and they sit in the front row and they fall out of the pew. I don't know what to tell you. I, I don't control this. It's not something that I make happen. It's the Spirit of the Lord, and I've, that's all I've known. It's a, my goodness, I mean, my first service that I ever preached, I mean, I go back and I, demons being cast, all the, that's all I've known. I'm sorry, not really, but that's all I've known. So, so fast forward the clock. When we're sitting in this interview and they're telling, we've never experienced this. The things that you're talking about, we, we don't know. We, don't, we, don't, we want it, but we've never experienced that. It crushed. It broke me. I started crying. I, I, because I, in, in my mind, I could, not, I could not grasp, you know, some of these folks being in church 50, 60 years, never experiencing what a, what a New Testament church with the presence of God, the power of God was like. To know him at salvation is wonderful, but there's so much more. There's so much more. And it just, it broke my heart. I just started crying like a baby and I couldn't control it. I'm sorry. And, I, and even, I think it was Mandy, she, Mandy asked, she's like, well, why are you crying? And I couldn't answer. Heather had to answer for it. I was a mess. I was an absolute mess because I, I couldn't, I couldn't comprehend that. I couldn't get, how could you be in, I'm sorry to say, but how could you be in an assembly of God church and not know those things? I didn't understand that. I, I've grown up in AG world, so I, I just, I didn't understand. I couldn't comprehend that. So for me, you know, New Testament church, New Testament, when they, when they, you know, when everybody voted and all the things. I mean, as I said, I knew that we were coming, and I don't mean that in an arrogant way. I just knew by faith this is what was going to happen. And I was assured by faith that even though the church was not spiritually alive when we were voted in, that they hadn't experienced those things at that point, I knew it wasn't going to stay that way. And it had nothing to do with me it's that there was life flowing on the inside. There was 
there, I, the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead is on the inside of me. And I've learned through the years, through trial and error and a lot of heartache, to cooperate with the Spirit of God who's living on the inside of me. And that when I do that, there's a release of something into the environment, into the atmosphere, where I'm at. There's something that can happen and shift where I'm at. Not because of me, but because of who lives in me. That's faith. That's understanding by faith. And so when the first Sunday we showed up, you know, we, we, Heather and I had this, you know, nice little religious conversation. We're going to have to turn it down. They're not used to this. We're going to turn it way down. Take it slow. We're going to turn it way down. They're not used to this. We're going to have to give them teaspoonfuls instead of the river. There's a river gushing, but we got to give them teaspoonfuls. So we're like, okay, yay, and we're standing over here, and the interim pastors and all the thing, and we're standing over here. And I walk, I'll never forget this, y'all. I'll never forget that Sunday. I walk up to the platform, and I literally open my Bible. I set down my Bible, and I open my Bible, and all pandemonium breaks out. That's all I did. I opened my Bible, and joy breaks out. I mean, people start, people who have never experienced supernatural joy and laughter, I mean, it just started sweeping across the stage. Had no idea. Nobody prepped them and said, you got to laugh when Pastor Zach gets up to the pulpit. That's what we do. <laughs> Nobody prepped them. It just started. And I'm thinking, I'm standing there, oh, brother, here we go. And then Heather says, I have a prophetic word. I'm like, oh, Lord. <laughs> Cat's out of the bag now. Come on up. <laughs> and then I see, I see ladies scrambling, running off to the back somewhere. And I'm like, what are they doing? And then I realized they, these little modesty cloths, they, did, they hadn't used these things in years. And they were stuck in some closet in the back hall. And people are falling. Women are laying with their dresses and all the things. And they're like, we got to cover them up. <laughs> Lord, what have we stepped into? Y'all laugh, but I was, y'all know I'm a perfectionist, and so I, I'm like reeling on the inside, like, Holy Spirit, you have got to stop. This is not, when you said New Testament church, I was not expecting day one that this was going to hit the fan. <laughs> so by faith, really, that's all that was, was by faith, the Spirit. Same spirit. It just happens. You know, you just, you, you go. I, I'm telling you my story. I hope it's encouraging you. You can step out. You can do this. I mean, I've been, I've been in grocery stores. I've been in checkouts. People say, there's something different about you. There's fire in your eyes. Something's different. Yeah, the spirit of God's living on the inside of me. No, it's not just that I have beautiful blue eyes. There's something. The Spirit of the Lord is on the inside of me. Something different. I don't know what you're doing. But I hear the laughter and it ain't the Holy Ghost. So. Resurrection life's going to flow through that thing. I, 
there's someone here this morning, you, you felt like that dream and that vision is dead. And what the Lord has spoken to you is dead. It's not dead. It's only sleeping. It's not dead. It's only sleeping. That thing's not dead. Matter of fact, I want to, yes, Holy Spirit, you're here this morning, and, and that's you. You felt like that dream or that vision is dead. I want you to just stand up right where you are. This isn't embarrassing. We're just going to deal with this. We're just going to deal with this. That dream or that vision is dead. You've said, I, I, it's gone. I'm, I don't, resurrection life by faith. I, I'm, I'm going to come into agreement with you this morning that that is, it's not dead. It's only sleeping. And that you're going to have the eyes of faith. I'm going to, I just, I'm going to agree with you this morning. You're going to have the eyes of faith that that is not dead. It's stirring awake. It is stirring awake. I want to say to someone this morning, not only is it not dead, the Lord is, uh, I see here, it's like the Egyptians. He's brought you out of an Egypt and he's bringing you into a promise. And so you, you've thought that, you know, Lord, is this thing over? Is it over? No, you're just on a journey. You're just on a journey into the promise. He's you, what happened in the past, he's using that. It's becoming, a, it's like a stepping stone. It's a, it's a learning experience. He never wastes a thing. He never wastes a thing. And that thing is it's just, a, it's just a stepping stone to where you're going. It's a part of the journey. It's not dead. It's stirring awake. Lord, I agree with my friends right now. You give them the eyes to see. They can see that there's those with us are greater than those with them. There's angel armies surrounding There's angel armies all around them right now. What seemed dead is stirring awake. Talitha Kumai, I say to you, little girl, arise. I'm speaking to an adult woman here in this room this morning. That little girl, as a young girl, the Lord spoke to you. And you thought as the decisions and the life that you have lived as an adult has meant that what God spoke to you as a child is over. It's not over. I say to you, little girl, arise that little girl on the inside of you remembers the word of the Lord. Rise up. Rise up. Remember the voice of the Lord. Remember the voice of the Lord. Remember the goodness of the Lord. He's given you eyes to see. Eyes of faith. Eyes of faith.
stirring awake. Stirring awake. Now faith, if you're standing, I want you to hear me. Faith means that there's an act of obedience now. Faith without works is dead. It doesn't mean that you can work faith, but it means that when faith, eyes of faith, when you see through the eyes of faith and faith is imparted, it means that there's an act of obedience. There's a, there's a step now. The Lord is going to give you the opportunity to participate in. Obey. Obey. It might be a small step, and you might think it's absolutely simple. It, honestly, for some of you, it might mean that you need to forgive yourself or someone else. It might be that it's a simple step that you need to forgive. Maybe you need to go to someone and have a conversation to set things right. There's others, you need to, you need to enroll in Bible school. I'm just, I, I just, I believe that. I happen to know a good one at Celebration Church. Anyway, that's another story. You need to enroll, you need to get in, into the schooling. And start your journey. Not because it's not because God can't use you without. I can tell you all about how God can use you without academics. That's not the point. The point is you, you need to start on your journey. You need to start learning, growing. Get get going on your journey. Notice I didn't say if you're called to ministry, you need the microphone. That's the last thing you need. You have platform all around you. There's others that you've been given, uh, and again, I, I'm not saying this as Pastor Zach, and because I, you know, I know everyone's business. I don't. I'm saying this as, as the word of the Lord. Others of you, you've been given an opportunity to engage with what the Lord's called you to do, but you've pressed pause. Those of you that are standing, you've pressed pause. The opportunity has actually been given to you, but you've pressed pause because of your own fears and insecurities and, and such. It's time to press play. Take it off of pause. Press play. That is an act of faith. It's just saying I'm going to re-engage with what God's called me to. It's I'm going to re-engage with what God's spoken. I'm not going to put it on the shelf any longer. I'm going to press play. I'm going to re-engage with this. Hallelujah. Isn't God good? Why don't you stand with me this morning? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Those of you that stood earlier, I'm expecting to hear. I'm expecting to hear about the eyes of faith. I'm expecting, expecting to hear about the stirrings going on in the upper room. 
I'm expecting to hear all about it. I always like when the Lord shows up like this because, and he starts speaking very specifically to people because I have no idea what's going on. And then I get to, you know, at some point get brought up to speed on, on, on what God's doing. So I'm looking forward to being brought up to speed and hearing all of the thing, wonderful things. Thank you, Lord. Jesus, we worship you. We thank you, Lord, for your goodness this morning. You've given us faith to see through the eyes of faith. If we're willing to make the sacrifice of faith, we're willing to take that step, that sacrifice. Lord, you're faithful, faithful to supply, faithful to walk with us. Before we leave today, every head bowed, eye closed. I just want to talk very personally to you. How is it with your soul? How is it with you and Jesus today? You know, you could be in church today, and the most important thing, the most important thing we could ever talk about is you and your relationship with Jesus. Do you know him? Do you have a relationship with him? Do you love him? Is he the joy of your life? Do you think about him in the morning when you wake up? Do you go to bed at night thinking about Jesus? Do you love Jesus? If not, before you leave today, you need to start that journey of loving the Lord. He loves you. The Bible says that, that he gave his life, that he loves you so much that he gave his life for you. That he didn't stay dead, that he rose from the grave. And right now, right at this moment, the Bible says he is seated in heaven on his throne. He's praying for you right now. Right now, this moment, he's praying for you. He loves you. So before you leave today, if you're here and you say, Pastor Zach, that's me. Before I leave, I need to set things right with Jesus. I, wanna, I want him to pour out his love on me right here this morning. I need to ask him to forgive me of my disobedience. I want to come to Jesus today. I want peace with God today before I leave. If that's you, wherever you're at across this sanctuary, heads are bowed, eyes are closed, I just want you to lift your hand wherever you're at. If that's you this morning, I want to make sure I have peace with God before I leave today. Just raise your hand right where you're at. Anyone this morning, anyone this morning. I want to know before I leave, I have peace with God. Things are right between me and Him. Anyone this morning, God bless you. Anyone else? God bless you. I want everyone to pray with me before we go anywhere else at your seat. Dear Jesus, I believe that you died for me. That you rose again. Forgive me of all of my disobedience. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. Be my best friend. I'm a new creation today in Jesus' name. Now listen, there's no magic in that prayer. It's just a prayer helping you start the journey. If you've recently made a decision for Christ, you need to get water baptized. You can mark your Connect card or let one of our staff know, hey, I want to get water baptized. We'll make sure that that happens.
need to get in a small group. We have small groups that meet almost every day of the week. Get in a small group. Walk this relationship with Jesus with someone by your side. It's how it's meant to happen. It's how it, that's how it's meant to happen. You can't do it by yourself. Get in a small group. If you're, if you're attending here and you're not in a care group, get in a group. I cannot, I, I'll beat you over the head with my Bible if I need to. Get in a group. It's important, okay? I am in small groups. You need to be in small groups. Thank you, Jesus. Let me pray for you before we go. If you're a guest with us today, make sure you stop by the VIP reception and the coffee bar in the lobby. We want to get to know you. Jesus, thank you for your presence this morning. Thank you, Lord, for your power, for healings, miracles, signs, wonders. Lord, that today people have been encouraged, challenged, stirred in their faith. Lord, faith has been imparted. Lives have been changed today. People have been equipped. Thank you, Lord. In your house, there's fullness of joy. Lord, we thank you for it. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Can we just give the Lord praise this morning?